Well, hello, hello, and welcome to yet another exciting episode of Skeptics and Seekers. I'm your host, David the Skeptic, and I'm joined by my good friend, David Russell. David hey. Russell, time to <laughs> with Russell. Let's... Yes, I'm not Robinson today. Yes, no, not Robinson today. <laughs> uh, and you know what? When I was practicing this, I kept saying Robinson. And my, my, this is why I did the whole tussle with Russell thing, because <laughs> it was, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, folks, I'm uh, I'm pretty scatterbrained. I uh, you'll be surprised. I actually misspelled uh, the name of one of the authors in uh, the book Surviving Corona. Ooh. Uh, yeah, yeah, that was yeah. that was brought to my attention. Um, anyway, yeah, never mind that. I'm perfect. Never mind. Um, it happens, man. Hey, look, I run a show too, and guess what? I I get names wrong too, and it happens. Excellent. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to pick up uh, pretty much where we left off. Uh, the last podcast you heard from this channel is was Dale and Val. What a great discussion. Uh, I feel like it was only a third of a discussion because I know that Val had a lot more to go. He hadn't even. So for those who heard the discussion thinking, well, you know, Val, that's an interesting idea, but I still don't know where you are. Val had a lot more to go. He hadn't even gotten into his uh, moral philosophy yet. <laughs> so uh, there will be some um, opportunity to to go back and revisit that. Uh, but it was three hours as it was just about. And the only reason it doesn't uh, look like three hours on your podcast feed is because I edited <laughs> down uh, some of that. And so there will be more Dale and Val. Don't worry. That conversation isn't over for those of you who are tuning in for the very first time marvin and i a few weeks ago had a conversation about morality uh and we knew that we weren't going to scratch the surface on that and so uh we devised a plan to have a series of podcasts uh last time it was dale and val on moral ontology this week it's david and david on moral epistemology uh in a few days, actually tomorrow, I think it is, it will be uh, on the practicality of how one uh, works out morality on, on things such as homosexuality. And so I think that's going to be the uh, main topic, but we're going to see how the the uh, epistemology and ontology work in, in real life situation. We're going to go to another slightly philosophical area of that and talk about whether morality makes any sense under naturalism at all, or do you actually need some kind of supernatural component for it? And finally, we're gonna wrap up with Brian with a Y and Marvin uh, coming back and uh, they will wrap up the series. I will be sitting in on that show, by the way, not gonna promise to be entirely silent. Uh, and who knows? There may be some other drop-ins uh, on the finale. It's been a, it's been a really fun project. I want to thank all of the people uh, who uh, who came along for the ride. This thing uh, was put together really quickly, and so special thanks uh, for all the people who made room in their schedule uh, to come and do this uh, with us. One other little meta announcement: David Russell. David Russell. David yeah. Russell, learn the name. Learn the name. <laughs> Season three. You're going to see a lot more of David Russell in the permanent co-host chair. Now, he won't be there every week, but he will be the guy. He will be the guy going forward. The man, David Russell. David Russell. I will just uh, be there to keep you in check, my friend. He will be there to keep me in check <laughs> while I keep him in checkmate. Yes. Um, 
Yeah, so. You can try. <laughs> do you have any thoughts before I get going here? Do you have any thoughts on the discussion between Dell and Val other other than what, I, uh, you know, hell of a conversation? Yeah, I mean, it was long. It was good. Sorry, I have a cat trying to um, invade my space here. Um, but, yeah, I thought it was really good. It did go on long. I thought uh, Val did an excellent job of being cordial and friendly and so on. And, uh, yeah, I think it was, I thought it was really good. I think the guys hit it, hit a lot of, a lot of good areas. They talked about more realism. They actually broke down what you and Marvin weren't able to get into. Um, and it looked, it, and that's the funny thing is when I started out, I, I did listen to you and Marvin and I was like, man, it seems like Marvin is looking for the right words to say, but he's just, he can't, he can't grab them right now. Maybe because he didn't prepare in that way. You know, so, yeah, and I think the guys covered that. And I think, you know, they covered a lot with moral ontology. I think they did a great job. Of course, I would, I would agree with Dale a little bit more. But, yeah, so that's where I'm at there. Okay. You you okay there? Yeah, I'm going to kill this cat is what's going to yeah. <laughs> So, you see, what I what I have, uh, you see, I have a door. Yeah. It's, it's over and there. It's about to happen. It's about and to I, happen. And I close it. And then the animals are on the other side of the door. You know what? I usually do that too, but yeah, the litter box is down there, so I wasn't able to do that. So if you give me a minute, I will go put them somewhere else. So. Hey, why don't you, uh, go ahead. I'm uh, I'm gonna go, go ahead. ahead and get started. Get, um, all right, go for it. I um, so I have a statement prepared, and uh, I'm going to read it badly because bad reading is kind of what I do. Um, it's, uh, you can find it though. Uh, I have already posted it in the comments, um, uh, on the board here where this show is going to appear. Uh, it's called two goods and I kind of want to get things started, uh, with that, uh, and see where we go from here. I have a few other thoughts. Uh, you know, Dale and Val did a lot of heavy preparation and, uh, their, their show went very long and they didn't cover a lot of what they wanted to talk about. Uh, David and I are going to uh, do the opposite by uh, having prepared very little. Uh, and so <laughs> I think that it's going to be much better. <laughs> what could possibly go wrong? Uh, two goods. Uh, goes something like this. Uh, earlier this week, uh, I said I don't believe in morality as defined by most Christians. I was asked if there was any definition of morality I believed in? The answer is mostly no. I believe humans are as amoral as any other advanced primate. Morality is a human construct. If we didn't invent it, it wouldn't exist. Morality as I see it is a set of rules and conventions defining the optimal social interactions of ontologically social creatures like ourselves. Over time, some of those conventions have become so useful as to be considered axiomatic. The religious impulse of some moves them to escalate the axiom by enshrining it as, a, as sacred. And once a thing is considered sacred, uh, a sacred axiom, it becomes indistinguishable from holy writ. 
from there, the good small g is transformed into the good little g, which becomes further transformed into the god. Now, I do not believe in God, so it shouldn't be too surprising that I don't believe in the good. I don't believe in sacred axioms. I hold nothing sacred. What I believe is that higher order primates like ourselves have more strictly defined rules for social order that we have evolved and codified over countless eons. Many of them are quite useful, many are not. None rise to the level of sacred law, which cannot be uh, reconsidered. All this is by way of introduction to a rather simple concept of two kinds of good. One I believe in, and the other I don't. I will illustrate this by listing two dichotomies. One, good and bad. Two, good and evil. Every system has the states of good and bad. Good describes the state of productive function, while bad describes the state of unproductive dysfunction. In a social system, good is productive prosocial function. Bad is antisocial dysfunction. It is not magical or supernatural or sacred. It is a simple description of the functioning of a social system. This definition of good and bad works for all social systems, including those of other animals. The other type of good is associated with the sacred. Good and evil are terms describing metaphysical concepts. In this case, good is synonymous with righteousness. It is that which comports with the objective nature of the righteous. Evil is that which opposes the higher order of righteousness and is the outworking of a metaphysical notion of sin. I do not believe in God, objective morality as the outworking of good or sin. This type of good has no place in my thought process. Now that you understand the two goods of which I speak, it should be a little easier to understand the morality I reject. I make no distinction between the good and the moral. The good to which the Christian refers is tied to their notion of the sacred. It is a brand of morality that cannot exist for the atheist. Saying that I do not believe in a Christian notion of morality should be no more shocking than me saying I don't believe in sin or evil. The good I do believe in is more along the lines of social ethics. If I could get away with never using the loaded term morality, I would. Simply, ethics is concerned with achieving the greatest social good with a small g. Another way of talking about the productive function of the social system is simply to practice uh, the practice of doing the right thing a given situation. Sometimes the right thing is so obvious and axiomatic, we mistake it 
for sacred moral law. But by my way of thinking, it never truly is. David, anything uh, there that uh, makes you want to regurgitate? <laughs> well, for this discussion, David, I think that, uh, no, I mean, there, there's a lot there to cover, and most of it has to do with moral ontology and not moral epistemology. And if we're going to discuss epistemology, and you're talking about going into social ethics and this and that, I think that uh, we're going to find that we're going to have a lot of agreement, and this is probably going to be the shortest uh, podcast you've ever hosted. Excellent. <laughs> Excellent. I also have a lot of crap to do today. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, uh, if if I was discussing discussing moral ontology with you, I mean, we could go all day. Uh, how we come to know our morals and values, I think that's very broad, and I'm open to ideas of how we can progress further into understanding what's right in the world. But I am a moral realist. I'm a cognivist. I'm a moral realist. And, you know, it's kind of hard to put a definition on where you're at because sometimes like and this and this is just the inconsistency I see in a position like yours or in a worldview like yours. I think Val did a very good job of representing natural uh, uh, moral realism. Mm -hmm. uh, he's probably the best I've heard do that on air on podcast, mm -hmm. um, uh, but natural moralism. But it kind of seems like part of you wants to affirm moralism and, and, and in a naturalistic sense. But then the other side of you is like, no, I just want to be non-cognitive. <laughs> you know, yeah. so I just don't know where you you fit on that that structure there. Well, so let me let me address that a little bit. Okay. Uh, so first of all, I think that uh, we are al almost feeling forced into uh, a world of academia that I don't think this discussion should be mired in. But we're we're trying to think deeply about the topic. And so we're borrowing from academia when we're two meat and potatoes kind of guys. Um, <laughs> so um, I I don't, for instance, if if we had talked about this for uh, you know maybe five years ago, I wouldn't have even known what you meant by moral philosophy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean that's. I get that. I get that. Yeah. You know, here's here's the thing: the the man or woman on the street does not have a moral philosophy. They don't know what the hell you're talking about. <laughs> you know? So that's that's not a that's not a thing, right? That's a that's a thing in a classroom if you're taking philosophy. That's not how average people do morals. And so um the the thing that I want to represent on this show at all times is the average person, whether they're in or out of the pew, I can I can for myself in, in a private discussion do a little bit better than the average person. I think I can I can on some subjects uh, get as scholarly as you like, but I don't like presenting that side of uh, myself publicly. That's not how I preached um, when I when I preached. It's not how I taught people. That's not how I interact with people uh, on a regular basis. Um, and that's not how people are. 
And so I think it's very important that if we're talking about something like moral philosophy, uh, we need to do it at the level um, of normal people. And so I, I do feel a little bit like we're kind of forced or it's it's a little forced, especially with me, to speak in in philosophical scholarly terms on something. Yes. So I would I would say, first off, I don't have a moral philosophy. Deal with it. Um <laughs> Because I'm a, I'm a normal person, okay? Yeah, and, and we, you know, it, here's my issue, and just, just give you some pushback here, is that the way we talk about morals and stuff, your average Joe is going to be all over the place, and you get down lost on rabbit trails that you had no idea existed. And that's where I'm coming from, is like, I think moral philosophy gives us a structure, and, and where we can kind of say, okay, now we can discuss this. And we're think if we're thinking deeply about it, we're actually on the academic level because that's what the academics do. They're thinking deeply about this stuff. And for me, I would love the structure that these moral philosophies give you. And it's it it came to a shock to me over my research over the last five years that there are actually a lot more moral realists whether they're natural moralists or not natural moralists, then there are uh, not in, in the non-cognitive, uh, anti-realist, quasi-realist, whatever, you, you know, there's so many different subsections here. But yeah, I mean, it's it's pretty wild to me to see that there are more moral realists than non-moral realists, you that's know? Not, that's not a surprise to me. Yeah. Um, so let's, let's um, just very briefly... Um, unpack a, a couple of these terms that are put out there before I address them. Okay. So moral realism. Um, uh, also, I, I kind of associate that with the, the cognitivist view that there is a right and wrong to uh, moral questions. So, for instance, if, if we ask, a, put forth a moral conundrum, you may or may not know what the answer is, but what you know is that there is a right or wrong answer. Um, and so that's a, that's a, a cognitivist view, a non-cognitivist view would say, actually, you're making a category error. Uh, there is no right or wrong answer uh, to this because morality is not a uh, an area where there is a right or wrong. Now, that said, I it does not surprise me uh, that there are so many moral realists out there. I think that is the um, I think that's the natural position to take. I think it's the most intuitive position to take. I think it's wrong, but I understand it. Uh, right. I think it's I think it's as wrong as flat earth. Flat earth is also the intuitive position to take. Um, so um, I think I I get it and it doesn't surprise me. Uh, even philosophers, it doesn't surprise me that uh, so many of them are moral realists. Someone asked me, uh, in fact, Marvin asked me uh, earlier today, um, do I think uh, that, you know, the, the majority of philosophers are wrong? Well, yes, <laughs> I do. I don't have a problem saying that. But none of what I'm saying should be a surprise when you uh, really process the fact that I am an amoralist. Which is to say, I don't actually believe in the concept of morals at, at the level that we're talking about anyway. Uh, so I think that um, in the same way that other uh, higher order primates, you would say, well, they're amoral. I think that we are amoral as well, but we have more 
uh, stringent and particular uh, social rules because we have a little bit uh, higher of a social order because we have bigger brains and we have more complex interactions. Uh, and so you need more complex rules uh, to deal with more complex social interactions. Uh, and so those complex rules, when they uh, are evolved over uh, hundreds of thousands of years, uh, become codified as axioms, and they seem like they're coming from somewhere other than yourself. But before before there were humans, there weren't any morals. Okay. I know I, I get what you're saying. I mean, I disagree. I think uh, under moralism that there are basics – to this earth that there are basic things that are real i mean they are real whether we believe them or not there's and i I believe that morality is objective obviously i take the theist stand on that i'm not going to give you a william lane craig argument here but um i think i think the burden of proof's on you to disprove that intuitive uh aspect uh that we have that's so strong that's our starting point we you know that's the intuitive starting point there and i think that uh, you have to come up with an argument that makes it more probable than the moralist position. And I, again, we're not discussing a moral epistemology now. <laughs> we'll, we'll get to epistemology. We leave, <laughs> we leave epistemology. We go back to ontology, and mm-hmm. and that's where we're kind of we're kind of stuck. I, I don't, and yeah, because I think there's a lot we could discuss on moral ontology. I think there's a lot we can ex- discuss on a moral epistemology, how we come to know that. I mean, there's several er- you know, places we can go. You know, d- we learn them from our ancestors or divine revelation for, you know, your non-natural moral theorist, you know. Uh, so, I mean, there's just several ways you could go. And that that's one of the things that I asked you for specifics on. And you're like, oh, we're just going to keep it broad. Well, we're broad. <laughs> That's yes. for sure, brother. <laughs> we're, we're, we're right in the middle of where we need to be right now. We'll get to we'll get to epistemology. Uh, I promise. Okay. I'm not going to be like Dale and Val, who never actually got to uh, their points. We're going to get there. <laughs> so, um, but I I do want to Dale and Val. You will have another chance, guys. Okay. Um, I do want to kind of lay a little bit of this um, ontological groundwork. Um, a little bit more, at least on the on, on the level of the the common man talking about high high things. Um, so you say, well, the burden of proof is mine to show that our intuition is wrong. Uh, that may be. I do, I don't want to I don't want to waste a lot of time trying to figure out who has the burden of proof because I don't mind, you know, trying to take on a little bit of. Um, burden of proof. But I don't think that's the the most interesting part of the conversation. I also don't think that you just get to claim, well, we all think it's this way. And so that's proof that it's that way. And you have to disprove it. Well, we all think it's that way is not a good reason. You know, it's it's a reason you can put it on your your stack of reasons why you think that uh, moralism realism is true. But by itself, uh, no one would say, oh, well, that's that's a good reason, and therefore it must be true. Um, and so I would say, you know, just like maybe you haven't heard convincing uh, arguments for uh, a, a non-cognitive of, uh, non-cognitivist approach, 
I also haven't heard convincing arguments for the um, cognitive approach uh, and the idea that there are moral truths out there. So what it usually goes something like this, and maybe you can maybe you can do better. But it usually goes well. You know, we feel like some things are morally true because we have a strong instinct about it. We we feel strongly emotional about some things. You know, it's it's wrong to torture babies for fun. I mean, don't you think it's wrong to torture babies for fun? Uh, you see how I'm pulling at your emotions there? Of course, it must be wrong to torture babies for fun. And if we both think that it's wrong to torture babies for fun, then it must not be natural. There must be, it must be coming from somewhere else. You know, that's not, that's actually kind of a poor argument. That's, that's, yeah, David, not, a, that's but, not a great argument. Yeah, but David, don't you think that they're describing what reality is i mean or, or what's going on i mean you know cognitivists say that moral claims are describing or attempting to describe reality and uh if someone is expressing a moral claim then they're expressing a belief about what they believe is real and i think that intuition is because they're so daggone intuitive that you know we're not saying that I guess we're saying that that we trust that there is something there, whether it's natural or supernatural, that's where we will have our disagreement. But you're saying that we're amoral. It's not there at all. And that's what I'm like. Well, David, you're kind of you're jumping back and forth. Like, where are you at? <laughs> yeah, but I well, but I don't I don't think there's anything there in this in the sense that you mean. Uh, so. Yeah. So you don't think it's actually wrong to torture babies for fun, for example. That's that's such a great soundbite. It's it's <laughs> a great cheap soundbite. I just <laughs> wonder though, David, because you're. I mean, you you brought it up, and yeah. I just want to say, you know, okay. So let let me. It's brought up. Let's all scratch the time. that. Let's scratch that. As far as it, it comes to intuition, you know, you you went on a little bit about that, and I'm not saying that. Um, I, I don't assume skepticism about my experience of the physical world um, unless I'm given reason to, like you said. You know, mm -hmm. I, I, you know, obviously it's not the stopping point for my argument. Sure. You know, it, it, you know, but I think it is um, up to the to the person trying to come against that that intuitive nature that we have that they got to come. They have that burden of proof. That's all I was saying. Uh, of course, there's a bigger argument here. There's a yeah. bigger discussion here. Well, I, I and, think yeah. I think our physical senses are a little bit different than uh, other types of intuition. So I think that uh, smell, taste, touch, uh, hearing, whatever the other thing is, uh, sight, uh, are are pretty good markers that there is something physically there. Yeah, you know, well, and, you and think, that's where I would say I think obviously my moral intuition is a good indicator that there is an actual moral realm. But here you're just proposing a moral intuition. We're not proposing taste. We we, we know. Are you that, sure? How do you know? Unless are we going back? I mean, if we're philosophical, if we're going to question that moral intuition, then we're going to have to question all of our senses and jump into philosophical skepticism. I think there's I a reason why we don't much, call moral intuition a sense. It's not a sense. I think sense. it is. A, I think it, 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 is, it is part of our sense experience. It is part of what we experience. And it gives us a proper warrant to believe that there's something real to this moral realm.
Yeah, so I think that's a, a pretty good uh, place where we diverge. Uh, diverge. Yeah, I don't believe that um, our moral intuition, our emotions, uh, speaking even more broadly, uh, I would not consider that a sense in that which in that it's reliable in telling us things about the world around us. Um, it it may help us describe our internal state, but. It, it doesn't. My my emotion about this table doesn't tell me anything about this table. Uh, the fact that I can knock on wood uh, tells me something about this table. Uh, so I understand that you have uh, that we all have. Or well, I say we all that well, non psychopaths well, no, we all <laughs> have um, something that we would call. A an emotional, uh, uh, sorry, a a moral intuition. And I'm, I'm using these terms fairly fairly broadly, but that that's just shorthand for our highly evolved consciences helping us navigate uh, between other social creatures what we've come to think of as right and wrong, and. Some of those things are very intuitive and obvious, and so they feel like they are that they are coming from somewhere else. But the fact is, over thousands, hundreds of thousands of years, we have learned that killing people for no good reason is a bad thing. That that's a bad thing. We've it it doesn't need to come from God. We have learned that over a long time of actually killing people for no good reason. And we've we've kind of seen the results of that. And so we have a, a fairly evolved conscience that that's a bad thing now. Killing babies for fun is a bad thing. Rape is a bad thing. But the reason we know that is not because we were born as a species with this knowledge. We were not born as a species with this knowledge. As a species, we did all of these things. And we we have evolved this knowledge over time. That is that is that emotional so David, that so that David, moral so David, intuition. So David, if if we have de developed this sense over a long time, I I don't see how you could demonstrate that. Could you demonstrate that we've developed this moral sense over a long time? Now, epistemology, epistemology, yeah, we we learn from each other and this and that, but to say that that's the reason we don't we have that sense is because we evolved that sense i don't think that's the case i think that uh there's a lot of convergence what do you think about moral convergence i'm not familiar with that term. so basically basically all of our morals converge throughout all time and and stuff like that they converge i mean we can disagree but that's not an argument against moral realism okay so basically how can I phrase this to make it really, really easy here? Okay, even if we we have disagreements on what morals are, mm -hmm. but that just shows that we have a fallible understanding that that our compass can be off. But as far as convergence goes, we have this idea at uh, the underlying issue of it all. All right, like for example, uh, we talk about. There's there's certain tribes in Africa, for example, that kill kill deformed infants, right? Mm -hmm. 
right? And we say, oh my gosh, that's wrong. Why? Because we know that deformed uh, infants aren't, you know, uh, uh, evil. And that's the reason they do kill them. Now they decree. Now the same tribe says, "Yeah, killing infants is wrong," but these deformed children aren't infants; they're demons. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. just because they have this this uh, this uh, this factual error doesn't mean that we all don't experience killing infants is wrong. So convergence is that we do all have this moral sense. Uh, and I think that goes in way in, in, in a good way towards more realism. Does that make sense? It makes sense, but I think that you're more proving my point than yours. So I would say if you go back historically, uh, and you can you can look at um, aberrations like this African tribe or some some yeah, Aboriginal tribes or uh, you know the. Um, <laughs> Some some of the mountain peoples in in our own nation, uh, our own country, uh, that are somewhat backward. Um, you can you can go back though in time, and you can see where these moral intuitions were not in effect when they were much less in effect. Um, and you can see how we have developed over time, and I think that development has happened faster the smaller the world has gotten. And by that, I mean that the more social we have become uh, across territories. Uh, and so now we have a kind of a global uh, society. And I think that um, social awareness is advancing even faster. Uh, it's it's a little bit harder to hide and uh, be uh, unaffected by the the momentum of social progress, as it were. But in some places where they have kind of pulled themselves out of the social evolution pool, you can see that they are not as socially evolved. They do not have some natural sense uh, that this is wrong. They have to learn that. And if if you pull yourself out of that evolutionary track, uh, you, you're not going to know that. And if if it was, you know, social some somehow some kind of moral realism I think I would think that you would know that we would have been born with a species as this knowledge uh, with this knowledge It's not something that we would have had to develop over time. Well, absolutely. We'd have to develop over time if uh, we're discovering morality and, and we're discovering these truths about our world. It's just like science. Science is discovering the 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 secrets of the universe. We're getting closer. Why? Because we develop theories. We learn more. And just like morality and how this world works we're in this realm we're discovering uh through observation uh these things the, these these truths about our world okay tell me more about the other. discovery tell me tell me more about that how how what, do people discover moral realities that are already there well how do how do we discover anything in science that's already there i mean well, there's things see, that we I, discover if, all the time i, I might i might find a, a diamond because you know it was buried under some rocks and i moved the rocks and there it was um i don't know how you discover moral facts i I mean we okay well let me let me give you a quote from richard boyd here in the sciences we decide between theories on the basis of observations which have an important degree of objectivity it appears that in moral reasoning moral intuitions play the same role which observations do in science we test general moral principles and moral theories by seeing how 
their consequences conform or fail to conform to our moral intuitions about particular cases. So, I mean, that's that's kind of like where I see it going. Are you thinking about that? I I, I may have missed the, the import of it. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, Why don't you sum did it up? Did I freeze up? Me? Did I freeze no, up? No, 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 no. I, I got it. I just... Okay. My, Why, my brain no, you froze up, up a couple minutes ago did i so okay no i uh no you did not freeze up i maybe summarize what you just read because i may have missed some part of it all right so basically he's saying that in the sciences we decide between theories on the basis of observations so how we come to know moral facts is we observe them uh uh we test them we uh just like we well, let me just read this one more time um, in the sciences, we decide between theories on the basis. I can't summarize a summary, right? In, in the sciences, we decide between theories on the basis of observations, which have an important degree of objectivity. It appears that in moral reasoning, moral intuitions play the same role, which observations do in science. We test general moral principles and moral theories by seeing how their consequences conform or fail to conform to our moral intuitions about particular cases. So I, my, my whole thing here, David, also is that we I, I don't I think we've always had this intuitive sense just because it's not developed or it's underdeveloped in certain cases or in certain cultures doesn't mean that it's not there. Because we still display it, even so. How, those... how do you how do you recognize a moral fact? Let, let's say uh, we've run across some moral fact. I mean, it's obviously not sitting on the ground like a diamond. Finally, uh, in moral epistemology now. Well, we're getting there. We're, yeah, this is this is this, this is, is a, a good phrase right here. Go ahead. So how do how do you recognize you? You're saying that we discover moral facts. Mm -hmm. How do you know you've discovered a moral fact? Because of how it conforms and how it correlates to reality, how it works. So you mean how you feel about it? Not just how you feel about okay, it. Okay, so what, how you do see, you know that? You see, an evident, you see an, evident, an evident display in the world around you. How do you recognize a moral fact? Just I'm, like I, I – how, how do you recognize an epistemic fact? Like seriously. I mean there's – I mean there's – I mean I, I can We're walk along the beach and stub my toe on a rock. I've discovered a rock. How do you recognize a moral fact? How do you even know you're looking at a moral fact? I don't even you know, I don't know what you're talking about. See, and that's the thing is, is I, I don't. How do you understand that that it's a rock? What do you what do you, what processes do you use to tell you that that's a rock? I stubbed my toe on it and I picked it up and it's a rock. So you're you're receiving some pain sensors, uh, sensory some some electrons and or synapses are firing in your brain to tell you, you know, ow that hurt. We know and then you like, are. then you observe, <laughs> and then you observe the rock, and you're saying, "Okay, that's a rock," and that's how we we, we know, know what rocks world. are. We know what we rocks know what are. worlds are. We know it. We no, know. We know. You were. You see. You just keep. There you go. You just keep stating it and claiming it. I, I don't believe we know what morals are. I don't Aren't believe you doing that. the same thing real. though by saying that 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 we don't know. I mean, I'm saying we do know because well, I think example. that there's good arguments. I give think. Me, I give think, me an example of discovering a moral fact. Give me a, an example of a moral fact that we discovered. It was there before we happened upon it, but we discovered it. Tell me what that is. 
Well, David, let's go back, though. Let's go back because, again, we're having moral disagreement, right? I mean we're having disagreement on the way things work. I think I think if we if we if if we go back a little bit, we can actually establish why we have these sense perceptions of morality. I think that's what we should focus on if we want to get into this epistemic or this uh, epist- or ontological so, argument. So I can understand where you're I mean, coming from. If you can, how do I discover a certain moral fact? Just give me an example of a moral fact. How, give me a moral fact that we've discovered. That murder is wrong. How did we discover right? that? By its effect in our society and the effect of how things happen. You know it, it, how it correlates to it being wrong. It's not right. It violates our a. It violates our intuition, um, and we also know that it has negative effect on society. Well, it apparently does not violate the intuition of the person doing the murdering. So how did we dis- decide that that was? How do you know that? Fact? How do you know what it violates? Does it violate just because they do it? Doesn't mean it's not violating some inner consciousness oh, you know that. and they just want to do it i mean I, I but i have no way of proving that either do you okay so, so uh, what i'm saying so I'm, is i'm trying to i'm trying to get a sense of why you are saying that we have discovered that murder is wrong how did that i i take it there was a time so david you if, don't that, that we thought that murder was not wrong if if for us to discover that it's wrong we would have had to have a time when we didn't have that discovery right well, we would have, yeah, I would think so, but I would also think we'd also have an an intuition that this this realm exists. How we come to know that realm is through discovery. So, does that make more sense? Am I breaking that down a little bit better? I'm not sure if I'm breaking it down right. But that's why I keep asking for examples. So, give me an example of something that we didn't know was a moral fact, and we discovered it was a moral fact. I don't know if I can give you one off the top of my head here well but you're saying that moral facts are things that are already there that we discover i think they're the realities that we find out about the world as we progress does that make sense so i think we have this yeah, in, i mean that makes sense but then you should to be where we perceive account. we perceive a moral realm through this intuition Okay, and like I said, I didn't prepare for moral ontology. That's why I'm kind of like all over the place here. But I think that we are exactly where the common man would be if uh, any other two. I think we have this. In, I, but I, I think we have this intuition, and I think we have an, a, an intuitive sense of the moral realm. How we come to know those morals is through time, progress, uh, discovery, stuff like that. So, I, I mean, I'll kind of repeat myself here, but... Right. You know so I could, I could actually agree with much of the language you're using, uh, though though not quite all of it. You're just saying that uh, our, our moral sense is sensing a thing that is already there, and we're just becoming more aware of those things as we stumble across them. And I am saying that, uh, no... Uh, we are things become a part of our moral sense as we uh, learn to uh, work together more closely as social beings. Uh, and so I, I am asking for an example. Because still, I can give, it, I can but, give but, an example on, of David. what I'm saying. And you yeah, can't yeah, give but an David, example. Of what you're but, but here's the thing, though. But here's the thing, though, David. You're really not. You're trying to. You're still assuming a moral imperative in your conversation here. You're you're still saying. We discover this as we work together. 
but it's not real. That's kind of like all you're doing. I'm saying the opposite. I'm saying it is real. And that's what I think where we're going to diverge. I don't think we're going to get anywhere on that. Well, uh, you know, I think that social rules are real, but they're not pre-existent to the society. Uh, so if you and I form a society of uh, podcasters named David, we might uh, develop some some rules about that. Uh, but it, as we form other societies with other people not named David, there may be some different rules about that. The but rules, that, the rules but, for the society of podcasters named David is not pre-existent that we discover. We invent them as we have need. Okay. Um, I disagree. I think uh, we ha there's the whole idea from moral progression and moral convergence that says the opposite. So let me see if I can find um, a quote here or something that I wrote down on my paper here. Okay, so while you're looking at that, I'll just, um, uh, I will give you my bridge to the epistemology conversation. By the way, for those of you who think that we have not been talking about moral epistemology, we really have been. Uh, these are these are kind of the foundations of where you get to. Now, ultimately, one of the reasons I don't, um, I don't look at the moral philosophies and think, okay, I choose this one is because I don't think it matters. Uh, at the end of the day, uh, I think that we are uh, engaged in a lot of mental masturbation uh, by um, focusing too much on moral theory. Because uh, let's say, well, I, I, I won't even say, whatever your moral theory is, uh, we can compare that to my moral theory. When it comes down to figuring out what the right thing to do in any given situation, you don't have a leg up on me and I don't have one on you. We all we have to go through the same type of uh, mental calculus, if you will, to decide what the right thing is. And so uh, I, I think that I can show that. So you think you can show. OK, then show it. Okay, and show so, it, David. Uh, I mean, I, I like I said, this is this is not. I don't want to make this as just like a debate between me and you. We're discussing a roundtable that you're you're you, you know um, that you're going into that you've had on your show, and I think we're backing off of uh, what uh, Dale and and Val said last week. So I give your your theory out there, man. I mean, that's fine. Yeah, so uh, as far as the epistemological side of how we know, um, it's really epistemology. Um, so in terms of a, uh, a moral conundrum, uh, and I consider a moral conundrum any, any time where you have to make a decision, um, uh, whether it's how to think or what to do or how to treat someone, uh, then the question becomes, well, what is the right thing to do or think, uh, or how should I treat that person? And so the example that's going to be discussed next week, so this is, um, and, and I think that there will probably be other examples because Matthew will be um, moderating that discussion and I'm sure that he will uh, make the topic broader. But homosexuality is, a big one for me because when I was a Christian, uh, 
I was about as anti-homosexual as you could get. Um, now, why was I anti-homosexual as a Christian? Because I thought that that's what God wanted. Uh, that it, It's as simple as that. And so my um, moral philosophy, if you will, is, well, you know, what would God want me to do? What, what, it, what is, what is, what would align me with the will of God? Um, I think that's how a lot of Christians uh, think today. Uh, if, if I'm wrong about that, maybe you should step in now before I go further with this. Go, uh, no, no, go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. I so, mean, there's, you know, there's obviously a, a few views here. So, I mean, right. just, just but, take it away, man. So that was, so that was mine. And I think that was, um, it's true for most of the people that I uh, knew in the church anyway. Uh, we're trying to um, align ourselves more and more every day with the will of God. Uh, and that happens through a number of ways, through practicing the gifts of the Spirit and uh, uh, representing the fruits of the Spirit. And uh, we become more holy as we are uh, more bathed in the Spirit, as it were. So that was that's how I would have solved that problem and everything dealing with homosexuality. Well, it's wrong. It's an abomination. Uh, God, in his purest form, when he's dealing with a situation directly, wanted homosexuals to be put to death. Uh, I would have said, you know what? We don't live in a, a system where that's legal anymore, but that's that's really what they deserve. I would have I would have said that um, because I once again, I was trying to be in alignment with what I, the way I thought that God thought. Today, uh, my views on homosexuality are about as liberal as you get. I, I simply, it's not even that I think it's right, it's that I just don't give a damn. I don't think it's even a, a moral question. Um, what's the difference? Um, well, I, I stopped trying to imagine what God would think. Now, I give this example for me. Um, I'll end this example with this. Uh, a few years ago, when I started studying this um, a, a little bit more carefully, uh, and in fact, even before I left the church, uh, I became curious about how other Christians were um, seeing this. It turns out that the majority of Christians, not by a broad margin, but the majority of Christians actually felt the other way. They thought that homosexuality was okay. It was not wrong. And it should not be restricted. It's fine. And you can, uh, th that's what the polls show today. This is not just general population. This is among Christians, um, what I'm, what I'm describing oh. now. And so, so what I, let me just wrap it yeah. up here. So no, what, no, I realized, what I realized was that by my trying to use an epistemology of aligning myself with what I thought God would want to do, I actually... If, if you look at the, the whole of the church and the whole of Christendom on this view, I would have been out of alignment with that. And other Christians who were trying to do the same thing with the same type of epistemology were coming up with something different. And so even the strictest, most conservative religious view doesn't guarantee that you're going to come up with the same answer on big moral questions. We are still all making a similar kind of moral calculus. And it seems that whatever moral philosophy you have, 
isn't necessarily the thing that's going to steer the conclusion you come up with. You and I are on different sides of the fence on a lot of things, but I bet we come up with very similar uh, moral answers to moral conundrums. Um, that's because there's an actual objective morality out there, David. <laughs> I, I bet that we, I bet that we do, and I don't think it has anything to do with objectivity. But once again, people who have the same uh, moral systems often come up with different uh, moral solutions. It it doesn't really matter. It it doesn't seem to matter where you start. Um, we're we're doing a, a calculus that is very similar, and I think that it's time that you know maybe we show our work a little bit and talk about well, how do we get from moral question to moral solution? What is what is the methodology of coming up with that? Uh, and I don't I don't think that methodology is described by uh, philosophical moral systems. No, I don't think so, because now you're jumping into a moral epistemology, how we come to know morality and and and, you know, how we come to, you know, know it. That's uh, and it's a very interesting question. I mean, and, and it covers a broad range of of theories here, such as, you know, some people say, well, it's divine revelation type thing. And. And some people say, no, it's just my uh, experience or or we come to know this by our culture or by years of development. And that's and like I said, I'm, I'm open to learning uh, about that. So I, I have a lot of different theories on, on how we come to understand and, well, and sure. know our morality. Sure, sure. So, well, I think I think yeah. our parents, our parents and the values in which they were raised on. Um, if you want to go specifically in what I think the Bible talks about, I mean, we can. Well, um, just, tell, just tell me what you think. Um, how do how do we come to um, to know these moral truths? So never never mind um, the more ontological questions that we that we started this conversation with. We we get to a place here where you and I are going to start having a lot of agreement. And I and I find that agreement suspicious, uh, quite frankly. But why? Because um, they got different motives. <laughs> no, well, no. I find it suspicious uh, because we shouldn't uh, come up with so much agreement if we have such different starting points. Um, but we do. We have a we have a suspicious level of agreement. I I'm I'm guessing. But give me give any give me um, some feedback. So how do you? Decide, and and I will I will be glad to give you a, a couple of issues here. Um, one issue uh, out of the news yesterday, when I was watching the news yesterday morning, um, the, Cali the California wildfires. We seem to have some California wildfires every year, um, but it, this is this is this is life in California. Uh, so this particular. Um, problem the fires were I, I don't remember the the exact location but they were uh, threatening uh, several homes in this area and I, I'm guessing it was a fairly well-to-do area but um, this there weren't enough firefighters to go around this is one of the problems in California right now it's just not enough firefighters which is one of the reasons the, the fires go so long uh, so the communities got together as communities do there and they formed a kind of a neighborhood, um, 
firefighting squad, if you will, to try to save some houses. And um, they had saved, uh, as of yesterday morning, four houses. Uh, some people had died. I think some of the volunteers had died, but they had saved four houses and they were still working even as the news cameras were filming them. As a part of that um, piece that they were doing in the wildfires, though, they uh, uh, got comments from officials uh, and from firefighters. And what they were telling people is, please do not form these neighborhood firefighting communities. Please, please do not join them. Don't farm them. Uh, they cause more harm than good. They are dangerous. Please let the professionals do this. This created in my mind an immediate moral conundrum because you're there. Uh, maybe your home is safe, but but some other people in the communities, their homes are in danger and, and they need people to help them put this fire out. Uh, do you join them and put the fire out? Uh, and, and go against what the officials are saying, or do you say, no, what you know the officials have said, this is a bad idea and we shouldn't do it, and do you not do it? How do you make that determination uh, as to whether you're going to, I don't even care what the right answer is, because I don't think that you and I can know what the right answer is. I'm more interested in how we come to determine what we think the right answer is. That's so good, that that's an example yeah, that you question. can... Yeah, well, that's a good question. I think that... Uh... You know, I mean, you have the you have to weigh the evidence, right? I mean, let's say let's say that these officials that are saying don't do this, it's because there's a tidal wave of toxic smoke that's going to level you out. And, you know, so you got to weigh what, why are they saying it's it's a bad thing, right? Versus, you know, helping your neighbor out, save their house. Right. So uh, for me, how do I come to that is like I'm probably going to not listen to the authorities and try to help my neighbor. So, I mean, and I'm sure you probably do the same thing. Well, uh, maybe. But uh, if, you know, without... well, if you if you if you examine, OK, what's the risks? You know, what 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 is this? OK, what do I have to do and stuff like that? I'm sure you would. So it, without without revealing uh, anything too personal, I think uh, it's fair for the audience to know you are a refer, you are a first responder. You are a person who is um, your your frame of mind is to help. Uh, you know that's that's what you do. You uh, you stand between um, average people and danger. So uh, and by the way. You <laughs> um, uh, just saluted me for those that weren't watching that. <laughs> yeah. Um, so heart heartfelt. Uh, but you you are the kind of person who would think that way, who would do that. Now you might ask, well, how did how did you get the frame of mind that you would want to do that? How how does a person decide they want to become a Navy SEAL or a doctor or? Uh, whatever. And, you know, once again, I would say there are eons of um, social evolution uh, and, you know, societies need people who are special and who stand out and who put themselves uh, between harm's way and the bulk of the herd. That's that's always been the case. It will always be the case. And there will always be some that will have to be that kind of person. Now, I don't know whether I'm that person or not. Um so I've got bad knees. Now, when I was when I was younger, 
yeah, I would have done it. I was very athletic, but I've got I've got bad knees now. Uh, recent surgeries on those. Uh, I've just had uh, spine surgery uh, uh, within the past few weeks. Um, there, uh, my vision isn't good. Um, you know, any any number of things. I could be the cause that someone has to uh, then lose their life trying to save me while I'm out there trying to save someone else. Uh, is it a good idea for me to do it? But then, you know, maybe all they need is just one more bucket, one more person carrying the bucket, and that would have saved a house. Um, could I have done that? Maybe. I don't know. It's a very complicated uh, calculus for me. I, I honestly don't know, and I would have to be there in the moment. Um, uh, I agree. So no. I agree. Absolutely. I agree. I, I agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think you would have to be, and, and you'd have to examine yourself, you know, and and examine the situation and make the decision then. But here's the thing. It's not a question of what the right thing to do is, uh, because there is no right or wrong here. This is this is uh, remember I'm a moral non-cognitive. I know. So I know. Uh, well, there, sometimes, <laughs> sometimes it's very hard to put. See, and this is this is this is this is what the the warning I gave you about these type of discussions of being specific mm-hmm. is because now look at me I'm like going all over the place looking for the right note to find and, yes. and to see to to kind of be able to put things in words because without specifics you can't prepare for certain things <laughs> it, it, it yes and so this once this example came up uh yesterday in the news um and it it just it dawned on me not as a kind of a gotcha kind of thing for this conversation this is this is real life for me uh and i face maybe not that situation but i face this type of situation uh, fairly frequently, you know, a, an example of a situation uh, that I face uh, on an occasional basis is um, I I pass by uh, two people who are violently, not violently, but uh, they're sh- vol- voluminously, uh, loudly shouting, arguing, um, and the situation might um, go to a place where maybe uh, maybe it's a man and a woman, and the man um, puts his hand on the woman in a restraining way or a way that I would think of as um, not healthy, let's say. Uh, it's clearly a domestic situation. Uh, this is uh, maybe, in my opinion, clearly a situation where they have rehearsed many times um, so not the first time, uh, probably not the worst it's ever been. Do I, uh, step into that situation and perhaps make it worse, uh, get myself killed or do I step in the situation and maybe save a life? Um, this is, this is a decision I have had to make, uh, on more than one occasion in my life. That's interesting. Yeah. Uh, um, I, I can go it, on. Here's it. But yeah, and, and, you know, these examples, like, yeah, I could too. I, I, there's several, but you're saying that there isn't an actual right answer. Correct. I think there, there is, there is a right answer, and how you, how you basically make that decision is you do your best to either a, do the right thing, or b, somehow you justify not doing the wrong thing to yourself. 
you know, but are the right thing for yourself. Did I say that right? Man, I'm all over the place it's, with it's my okay. language, man. <laughs> it's okay. I think there is I think there is a right answer, David. And that's and that's my point is I, I truly do think there's a right answer. And I think that we can know that right answer. And just because we have a situation in which we have to to choose, I want to say I have this example in my head, but I don't know if I'm gonna be able to put it out right. Something like, you know. You have an equation. All parts of the equation have to be present before the right decision can be made, right? So, um, before the answer or before the answer is given, does that make sense? Sure. So, uh, I, I think that yeah, that there there is a right answer, but if you're missing a part of the equation, you're not going to be able to come to a, a full knowledge of what the, that right answer is. You, maybe you, you always, know? I don't know. Aren't you always missing a part of the, the equation? Not always. I don't think. I think there's sometimes, yeah, I think we are, but then I, I think there's sometimes that we aren't. So let me give but you one more just... example, uh, and maybe you want to pick up on that, because, again, this is an example that you may have come across at some point in your life. Certainly some of the listeners will have come across this uh, in their life. Um, and so uh, you're you're going to a mall or grocery store or maybe uh, just the Jiffy Mart uh down the street and uh, you get out of the car the people get out of the car you walk past you see a baby in the back seat it's uh, really hot outside um you know this this immediately becomes a bit of a conundrum because uh for all you know the um let's say it's the mother just left the car seconds ago seconds before you walked up there. So the baby hasn't been in the car that long uh, and she was running into the Jiffy Mart to get milk for her baby or maybe children's aspirin uh, for a baby's fever. Um, she's trying to do a responsible thing. She'll be uh, back in less than a minute. This may be the situation. Uh, and since most people, I think, are reasonably responsible and are trying to do the right thing, there may be a good chance that that's the situation. Who knows? Um, but the baby could also be in the car for uh 15 minutes and the mother may be uh at the bar next door to the jiffy mart getting drunk and the baby may be um near near dying now what do you do do you uh break the window and take the baby out well i don't know you might i'm a black man <laughs> i would not oh, you if you think i'm gonna go smashing through some lexus stealing a baby I'm not even gonna make it to the police station alive. Um, so that's that's a different calculus for me, maybe. Um, so yeah, what do you do? You have you have very partial information there. Um, this is this is I'm not just trying to pull out you know first year moral uh, philosophy kind of stuff to make people chew on. This is the real life that this is the real world that we live in uh, right now. And people are going through these calculations right now. And I, I suggest that regardless of what your moral philosophy is, is not going to give you any advantage in figuring out the right thing to do in any of those situations. You're going to be uh, faced with the same conundrum that I am. And, you know, what we do has more to do uh, with our upbringing and, uh, you know, whatever evolutionary paths we came down uh, and, you uh, so forth it's not going to have that much to do with some artificial moral philosophy that we chose uh in philosophy class in college 
So basically you're saying that all this moral philosophy and these moral ideas you've been hosting for the past uh, weeks now is just fuck. I think I called it mental <laughs> masturbation. Yeah, yeah. Bunk. So, all of it's just bunk. Well, yeah, David, there, okay, David, sure. you know, you are totally right within your rights to think of it that way. I think once you take a a a jump off this 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 deep end here and dive into more philosophy, I think it helps tremendously. Okay, uh, give me an example. I, uh of any one of those that I picked out, or maybe one. No, 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 just no, no. Show I'm me not the in disagreement. Of how it works. Hey, look, I'm I'm not in a disagreement. I think I, yeah, I am going to face that same conundrum as you, except I'm white, so I'm not gonna. Uh, I don't have the same same level here as you when when dealing with perception and and how maybe a cop would see it or something like that. Maybe that that is the case. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's a black cop that rolls up on the situation. You know, we're jumping into hypotheticals out the wazoo, is what sure, I'm saying here. But we live. Um, I live think hypotheticals but, 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 all the time. <laughs> but yeah, we do. We do what ifs all the time. I'm I'm a big what if player. That's fine. Uh, the the hypothetical I, I think, is the partial knowledge. I That's what I'm saying. Morality, always I have think, partial knowledge. But but you you're saying that we always have partial knowledge. I think there's other situations maybe that we would have full knowledge uh, of what the right thing to do is. Okay. Given the situation, I I don't have one right now. I didn't prepare an example. Right, for how about a baby? I, you, I don't think I could give you one. Right off the top of my head, but I want to I want to go to the to the to the base of the issue here, though, David, is that I think more morality is deciphered through rationality. And, and they covered this yesterday. So I would if I were you, I'd just go back and listen to that 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 part over again and see it see if you can't hours, really man. flesh it out. I know. <laughs> <laughs> it was so funny just to take a break from this. I was listening and like I was like really intent. I was like I was it was at the end and then Dale just abruptly ends. And I'm like, dude, Dale just, just like left the conversation in like mid sentence here almost. And, and and I was like confused generally, like, that's it, really? That's how we're gonna close it. Then he's then he was like, Well, yeah, David told me that we had to wrap up. So and yes. then I was like, oh, okay, okay. <laughs> I've been trying to send a message. Here here's the thing, um, little inside baseball uh, on that. So I cut that section out of the podcast, but when I first started sending messages. Dale, who is a very literal guy, um, I, I love you, Dale, but this is this is classic Dale. I'm I'm writing the thing out. I send it through the Skype chat, and Dale stops what he's saying, and aloud he starts reading the Skype chat. It was it was it was it was a definite classic moment, man. I, I was I was just like I was just dumbfounded. It was just like everything just cut out, pretty much. But yeah, yeah. It's because it was harshly edited. Right oh, there. That's fine. Yeah. I get it. I get it. But yeah. Um, so look, I uh, I think that uh, maybe we can start wrapping up too and start uh, having some of these. Uh, dangling threads uh, left for the audience to to work on, but and, this is. This is kind of my thesis here in all of this. At the end of the day, it all comes down to your calculus of what the right thing to do is in any given situation at any given time. And no one, to my knowledge, uh, has shown their work or or given some kind of um, 
methodological workflow (laughs) based on their uh, moral ontology or their moral philosophy of how you get from there to how you solve this problem. And so uh, I think that many of these things really don't have solutions. And you say, well, they do, but maybe we can't know them sometimes. And I think that if it has a solution that can't be known, it's indistinguishable. It's functionally indistinguishable from not having a solution. Okay, I I, I get you. Are we we're are, we're wrapping up? I I would assume now. Sure. So I I mean so I can keep beating David, you up some more, but I that's... I don't think you're really beating me up here. <laughs> we're just we've agreed on a lot of different things here. Uh, we we've only converged, I think, or. Uh, disagreed on ontology really um how we come to know thing i think is it, like i said is different for all of us i think we do come to know things through experience uh um, through disagreement you know um um so i there's a lot to it and like i said this is why i was asking for specifics so we could narrow this in you know so we could have a, a a discussion on a certain topic in this but going back to what you're saying about your theories and, and how you're not you're not finding I think Dale answered you correctly and I think Val even backed up Dale when you were having this 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 back and forth with with Dale. And even though I understand where you're coming from, I think Dale plugged those gaps uh pretty successfully. And if you don't buy it, that's just on you, bro. You know, if you don't buy it, that's I, I can't do nothing for you. Um, it doesn't mean that it's not successfully satisfactory answer. I thought it was. I was in my car driving home saying, David, stop. <laughs> he answered your question. I don't know where you want to go. And when Val backed him up, I was like, you know, I, I just I didn't get why you kept beating that dead horse. But that was just me. I thought Dale was successful in his answer to you. And I, and I think Val backed him up pretty well. Um, well, first of all, so- Val is wrong. Val is wrong. Yes, Val is. Look, Val and I um, disagree (laughs) on um, uh, on morality on on certain aspects of it, and we, you know, have an argument, uh, you know, once a year or so uh, on this. So I have no problem saying Val is wrong. I will lose the argument every time because Val is smarter than me. Uh, But that doesn't doesn't mean that he's right about all of it. But that said, uh, look, I'll be glad to take five minutes on that. And uh, I'll give you a little bit more inside baseball uh, as well. Um, So the inside baseball part is uh, at at around that part where that conversation happened, Val uh, needed to take a break. And so Val Val was gone. (laughs) And rather than um, just stop it there. I went ahead and had some conversation with Dale. And then when Val came back, Dale took a break. And so I had some conversation with Val. And so it wasn't so much about- A little little jujitsu going on there. Yes, yes. So uh, (laughs) once again, if that wasn't clear in the editing, then that means I was successful. Editing, well, so. brother, what you did succeed in that, but now you're on video, so it's not gonna work. Yeah, no, no. I mean, uh, you might if I go to the bathroom real quick. Yeah, I mean, right. Yeah. No, yeah. that doesn't that doesn't work with video. You know, so it's that's, it's that's funny. We actually, <laughs> we had we had a, a a guy in one of our broadcasts that actually had to cut out because he was actually having some serious <laughs> some serious issues, and he had to actually break. And it's not. You can edit it out, but it's still hard to actually uh, do the do it on video, man. It's kind of like 
you, once you once that camera starts rolling, you know, you're kind of committed. <laughs> I'm going to I'm going to have you educate me uh, on video because I really need help with that. Yeah. So, look, let's um, let's take five minutes on that, though. I since you brought it up okay. uh, and um, it's it's perfectly OK, by the way, as we do these shows that each person kind of go back to the last show and pick out something that they think wasn't covered well enough or uh, so far. So I, I that's fine. Uh, the the um, Tata tape that that we were having was about how you get from an is to an ought. Uh, and so I was suggesting, as I have on the board since then, uh, and as I have before then, you can't get from an is to an ought. Um, so you can make all of the is statements you want to, but at some point you're just going to have to put an ought statement in front of it. And that's not actually a bridge. Uh, that's just the is alt problem. And so what Dale did is he formed um, a syllogism that he thought uh, dealt with the problem. And his, his syllogism was basically uh, A is statement, B is statement, C ought statement, conclusion ought. <laughs> and and so I didn't state my objection to him very well on the podcast, which I have acknowledged since then. But my real objection was, I, I think that's an ill-formed syllogism. Um, simply by making your third point an ought statement, um, that doesn't mean that you created a bridge from is to ought. And Dell still has to prove his ought statement. He still has to prove that the is is an ought and so he's at the same place he was when he started um there is there is simply no uh bridge from is to ought and so yeah i, I think that dale's syllogism was ill-formed even if i am somehow was wrong <laughs> i I, I I believe his syllogism was okay. ill-formed, but even if okay. technically it was not uh, ill-formed, that's that was the objection that I had. Yeah. And so him just inserting C ought doesn't is is not actually solving the is ought problem. It's just yeah. an insertion that you still have to go through now and prove. Well, why is that ought? It's you're at the same place you were at the beginning of the syllogism. Well. Like I said, if you all want to see David get beat down a little bit, just go in that that section and and watch how Dale schools him there. And uh, that's all I got to say about it, man. <laughs> no, I can't remember the the entire thing. I wish I had the uh, some of the transcript there. I mean, that, that, it was a, it was an interesting point in the conversation. I thought, yeah, but yeah. And, and like I said, you know, I thought he had he successfully answered. Successfully answered you, know, like a, uh, and and that Val backed him up. So it was just kind of like that. It was kind of it kind of satisfied my curiosity, you know, kind of mm -hmm. satisfied my 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 look. But overall, I mean, just in lieu of of wrapping up or whatever, I think that you know, for your position, I think not only do you have to make a case against the intuition, but you got to show how moral progression and convergence are more probable in a naturalist theory and that um and understand that moral disagreements don't mean that moral realism isn't true i mean it's possible and it's an area we have to explore and experience obviously we're gonna we would we would definitely 
uh, argue on that. Mm-hmm. And I think I think because I really think that moral facts are just as real as epistemic realism. You know, I I think uh, you can make an argument from epistemic realism like Terence Cuno did, and you know. Once we establish that, once you're able to, and I'm not saying that a, a natural, a real, you know, moral realist that's uh, is a is a natural moralist. I, I don't think he's at the point where, or they're at the point of successfully making uh, a case. But that's not that's not saying that it won't come. You know, I, I'm open to the evidence there. However, um, once we get into moral epistemology how we come to know morality, I think we'll have a lot of common ground there. I think it's the ontology that really is the 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 biggest thing. Um, I think there's a lot of agreement we will have when it comes to moral epistemology, how we come to know certain things. Um, and, and, that's, and that's why I was just kind of like, where do you want to go with this? <laughs> so I could properly prepare. But in, in a nutshell, that's kind of like my closing statement, if you want to jump you know i'll give you the final word on that but well sure i um so i appreciate um uh, i appreciate your uh time and i think you i think you did well but i think maybe a couple of the big gaps that we have would be i i think that you simply assert because it's a popular notion that moral facts exist and our, our intuition tells us so, so that must be so. And I, I think that puts too much weight on intuition uh, and it does not investigate uh, the situation close enough. I've, I've asked for examples, for instance, on uh, what a moral fact is that was there before we discovered it and then we discovered it. Uh, I asked for an example of a moral fact that uh, you know, we uh, we didn't know was a moral fact, but then we discovered it somehow and it turned into a moral fact. When I've asked you to talk about, um, you know, how you come to how you know what the right thing to do is in a given situation, you gave me several, several things. By the way, I agreed with all of those, uh, but the, all of those were naturalistic things. Um, and so I, they were very easy for me to agree with. Um, so at the end of the day, I don't, I don't see any reason to look beyond uh, naturalistic, uh, complex social rules and conventions uh, that beings ontologically similar to ourselves, social cre- creatures, uh, wouldn't come up with. This is, this is what we do. And some of them are so useful, like, for instance, don't kill people for looking at you funny. Um, you know, that that becomes God said thou should not kill. It, it's 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 a couple of very small statements uh, before you get there. And well, it's just it's a natural part of the world that thou should not kill. Uh, and no, actually, it's just a very highly useful thing for social creatures to come up with. In fact, that should be one of the first rules that any social uh, group is going going to come up with. Otherwise, they're not going to last <laughs> very long. And that's that is the truth, I think, of so much of what we think of as moral intuition now. Now, have I proven that case? No, I don't think so. Um, 
I don't I don't have the 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 scholarship or the mental horsepower to prove the case. Uh, but I think it's the beginnings of a conversation. And it should make us all begin to question merely that we have this intuition uh, that these things like moral realities exist. Uh, I agree with David Russell on so much, uh, and we didn't spend a lot of time talking about what we agree with, because at the end of the day, when it comes down to difficult moral situations, we have to all go through that same calculus to figure out what is the right and the wrong thing to do. And I think one of the dead giveaways is even after we've come up with the, the thing that we do, after the fact, we still may sometimes wonder, did we do the right thing? Why do we do that? Because at the end of the day, we really don't know. I contend that the reason we don't know is because, you know, there probably really isn't a right thing. I want to see um, how this conversation progresses with Teddy and uh, Darren Lute. You've had some experience with Darren Lute. Yeah, yeah, he's uh, a good guy. And, and, and you survived. Uh, so, uh, Teddy, uh, I know you haven't had any experience with Teddy, I don't think. But, no. um those are those are two personalities who I, I'm just gonna say it. I don't think they're gonna get along well. No, <laughs> think, all right. I think that so you're you gonna have get a feisty the, one coming up. I think you're gonna get the feisty show that you didn't get in the first two shows. And so if you're watching this yeah. series, um, I think the next one is gonna be really, really interesting. I personally don't know where it's gonna go, uh, because Matt uh, is gonna be moderating that discussion. Uh, he's a very different personality than me. The discussion is on a very uh, high impact kind of topic. And we've got two people uh, in the ring that are not afraid to punch each other in the face. Nice. I can't wait. <laughs> yeah, that's always good. So always. with that, uh, thank you so much uh, for listening, everyone. Uh, we'll see you in the comments, uh, David Russell. Thank yes, you. sir. Not a problem, man.